to the Montana Middle, your podcast for Montana politics. I'm your host, Dan West. Today is Memorial Day, and I hope you are all having a relaxing long weekend and taking a moment to remember those who have given their lives serving our country. Today's episode features Matt Rosendale, Montana State Auditor and Republican candidate for U.S. Senate. Mr. Rosendale joined the show to talk about his background and his politics just in time before the primary election on June 5th. Before getting to our conversation, a quick word about our sponsor, the Montana Mint, and the DC Update. In its quest to bring the best of Montana to the internet, the Montana Mint supports this podcast. Together, we are striving to make Montana politics more accessible for all Montanans. To keep up with interesting Montana news, check out the Montana Mint at www.montana-mint.com and subscribe to their newsletters about Montana sports and politics. And check out their Montana sports podcast called Montana Mint Sports. Here's the DC update. President Trump signed a banking reform bill introduced by Senator John Tester to change the Dodd-Frank Act to reduce regulatory burdens on small banks. What's kind of funny is that President Trump didn't invite Tester to the bill signing ceremony, but he invited Montana's other senator, Steve Daines, even though Senator Daines didn't co-sponsor the bill. Congress passed a bill that significantly reforms the Department of Veterans Affairs. Both Montana Senators, Tester and Danes, were original co-sponsors of the bill, and both gave speeches on the Senate floor. Here's Senator Tester. At the beginning of this Congress, we set out to draft a bill that reforms community care and also strengthens the VA. As Senator Moran pointed out, coming from a state like Montana, a rural state, 147,000 square miles, I know you cannot have a VA clinic in every community. But veterans cannot always uh, drive two hours to the nearest VA clinic. And they certainly can't afford to wait months for an appointment. And that is why we need private health care to fill in the gaps when the VA cannot deliver that health care. But I also know how much veterans need the services they get from a VA clinic. In my dozens and dozens and dozens of face-to-face listening sessions with veterans, They have told me that the kind of care they get from the VA is important. They're surrounded by their peers, many of whom have experienced mental and physical implications of being in combat. VA doctors and nurses know how to treat PTSD, toxic exposure, and other wounds unique to their service. The best defense against any effort to privatize the VA or sending veterans wholesale to private sector is to make sure that the VA is living up to our promise to the veterans. The VA Missions Act recognizes that there is a balance between the VA care and community care, invests in medical and clinical staff to serve veterans at the VA. It builds the capacity within the VA, and it uses private sector to fill in the gaps when the VA falls short. And here's Senator Daines. It's about time we take meaningful steps towards fully delivering on the promises that we have made to our veterans. On this Memorial Day, on this Memorial Day week, 
I'd like to share that we have passed my bill to name VA clinics in Missoula and Billings after Montana veterans David Thatcher, Dr. Joseph Medicine Crow, and Benjamin Steele. My bill has been sent to President Trump's desk for his signature. And with the passage of the Mission Act, these three clinics will be delivering new and improved care and will also display the names of three Montana World War II heroes. I urge my colleagues in the Senate to join me in supporting the VA Mission Act. I yield back my time. Over on the House side, the Farm Bill failed to pass mainly due to a provision that would have created work requirements for food stamps. There were also disagreements within the Republican Party on how much the bill cost and an assurance that an immigration vote would be put on the House agenda. Montana Congressman Greg Gianforte voted for the bill. The House might reconsider the bill later this year, and in addition to food stamps, the Farm Bill reauthorizes crop insurance programs as well as important conservation and forestry programs, so I hope they can get back to it. That's it for the D.C. update. Here's my conversation with Republican Senate candidate Matt Rosendale. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I want to give you as much time as possible, so let's get right to it. Where does your Montana story start? Like, when when did your desire to run for office in Montana start? And uh, and did that come? Did that start at a, at, an, at a young age or later in life? Well, I um I guess my Montana story. First of all, let me thank you very much, Dan, for for being on the program. Oh, today. thank you, it's a, thank it's you. A pleasure to be here and, and share some information with your audience. I um I started visiting Montana nearly thirty years ago with my wife Jean and our three sons. And after many visits, we found a place that fit our lifestyle and, and bought our ranch near Glendive. To us, community means everything. And it means everything to the folks in Montana. And I, I quickly found myself helping at the neighbor's brandings and hauling crops from the field at harvest time. And that's, you know, you just, you just join in, you become part of the community. Public service has always been a part of my life as my folks had a weekly newspaper when I was younger and I saw my dad champion many, many issues. And we were always taught that if you have the ability to do something, then you also have the responsibility to do it. So um, after joining the local agricultural organization, I was soon elected to the chairman's position there in Glendive. Mm-hmm. And Gene and I are very active in the Catholic Church, and after serving on the parish council, again, in Glendive, I was elected as the president of that group as well. And hmm. it wasn't long before many of the folks in Glendive encouraged me to run for the Montana legislature. So I was, I was initially elected to the Montana House in 2010. It's oh. really, really when it began. Okay. Well, okay, great. Uh, you covered a lot there in a short amount of time, and and just to reflect on it a little bit, you know, it sounds like you've, it's been, it stretches back decades, and uh, and it sounds like you kind of just organically moved into public service through, you know, your community involvement and your your uh, your faith as well. So, th- thanks so much for for explaining that, and 
I noticed that you said uh, your your father was a newspaper man. Yeah. Think, yes, he was. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I mean, could you talk about that just a little bit more? Sure, sure. My dad started a newspaper. Actually, the very first edition was when John F. Kennedy was assassinated in 1963. Oh, wow. And my dad was the owner, editor, publisher. I mean, he was the whole show, and my mom sold the advertising. It was it was the two of them. And he took the first issue when, when President Kennedy was assassinated, and he handed it out. The first issue was handed out, and thereafter they began selling the newspaper for a nickel. And it wasn't long before we as children started growing up. I have had five siblings. We all participated in the uh, newspaper in some form or fashion. Heck, I was, I was taking pictures for the newspaper by the time I was 12 years old. And we, we sat around the dining table many evenings talking about what was taking place in our community and my dad's reporting on it. And it was all held very confidential because everything that we discussed at the dinner table could possibly be a story that week or the, or the next week. And, And I very soon became to understand that the role of the newspaper, the role of the media was truly to keep a check on government, to make sure that they were serving the people properly. Well, that's fascinating. And I'm, I'm so glad I, I learned that about you uh, just now. And um, it, I, I think that's important to understand how, how you've become such a successful uh, public servant and, and politician, you know, how you've won numerous races. Let, so let's, let's talk about, let's go back to your time in the state legislature. You said you were elected to the House in 2010, and then you became state Senate majority leader just four four years later in 2014. Um, yeah, real briefly, what are some of your best memories from that time? Well, first of all, you always remember all the people that you served with. You, you mm-hmm. When you serve in the Montana legislature, you are a public servant. It's a citizen legislature, and there are folks from all walks of lives. And I, I, the best analogy I can use is it's like Thanksgiving dinner. I mean, you look around the room there, and you've got your grumpy old uncle that sits in the corner, and, and everybody, it's the one day of the year that they act nice to him, and you've got your crazy aunt that's, you know, over on the other side, and, and you've got all the little ones running around. I mean, it's it's just, a, it's, it's organized chaos. It truly is. But we literally experienced births and deaths during the, during the legislative session with each other. And then... If you truly focus on policy and not personalities, then it's an incredible experience. And that's what Mm -hmm. I've always been able to do. So I was very proud when when I look back and say, okay, what did I do? The the things that I was able to bring the most diverse groups together, like the uh, pipeline safety legislation that I was was able to get uh, passed in 2015. Mm -hmm. And I brought together the Montana Petroleum Association and the Northern Plains Resource Council, I mean, two of the most diverse groups that we have here in the state, to draft language for pipeline safety that's in the best interest of the people of Montana. And and I did the same thing with uh, land use legislation in 2013 and brought the home builders and the Montana Association of Realtors together with the Montana Environmental Information Center and we crafted legislation to make sure that property was being developed that would be safe and sanitary and yet not 
not infringe upon the property rights of of the individual. Hmm. So it's um, that's the kind of work that that I like to do. now. My my true passion is is to reduce the spending that takes place in the government. And obviously, serving on financing claims, I worked on that feverishly. And as the state auditor, uh, I'm very proud of the the fact that we were able to reduce operating costs already by 23%, and staffing we've reduced by 6%. And I myself declined my own pay raise last year when the when the budget was in crisis. So I, I enjoy that work, but when you can bring the parties together to pass something that actually impacts the, the lives of the people of Montana for positive uh, purpose, that's memorable. Yeah. Oh, those are great examples. And uh, you, be, you beat me to my next question. I, I was going to move on from the state legislature to the statewide office that you're holding right now as state auditor, like you said. Um, important role, I, I, I feel like it's, it's not as well known as some of the other roles. So maybe could you just describe, you've already started, but could you continue describing some of your primary responsibilities, you know, on, as a securities and insurance commissioner and a member of the land board, you know, the, these are two yeah. things that the state auditor has to do. Uh, yeah, please expand on those a little bit. Sure, sure. And Dan, you're exactly right. There's very few people that understand because the term, the title is, is so convoluted. So it's <laughs> the, the Montana State Auditor's Office, Commissioner of Securities and Insurance. So we don't really audit. I mean, I have examiners that examine insurance firms to make sure they're solvent. Mm-hmm. But my true role is to make sure that the securities and insurance industries, we're a consumer advocate. We make sure we protect the consumer and that the insurance products that are being sold can actually be uh, provided, that the companies are providing the benefits that they sell. And in the securities industry, we make sure that the investments that are being offered are legitimate and solvent. And we are also there to promote, encourage, and facilitate capital investment here in the state. And, and we do that as well. So, so that, yeah, that's a huge job. The la- and then you're also on the land board. And the land board is, is a really, I enjoy the work on the land board. We meet once a month. And what that we are responsible for is the management mm-hmm. of 5.2 million acres of school trust lands. Those are lands that were dedicated to the school districts at statehood, two sections in every township. Mm-hmm. And there's another uh, 5.2 million acres of surface. And then there's about 6 million acres of mineral rights that goes along with that. Mm-hmm. And I will mm-hmm. tell you that as I have traveled around the state, we always have this big discussion about public lands and what's to happen with public lands. The land board doesn't have any um, jurisdiction over the federal public lands. But I will tell you, the people of Montana, there's several things that they have made very clear to me, and that is they do not want to transfer federal ownership. They want to make sure that we manage the resources that are contained on these lands. They want to expand access to the lands. And then they also want to preserve the pristine beauty. So while I've been serving on the land board, I will tell you, we've expanded access to 45,000 acres of public lands. We've expanded access to 16 miles of public roads. And we have logged 47 million board feet of timber. And then for the sensitive areas, we've protected them. So you take areas 
like the uh, trail system north of Whitefish, uh, and we and we protected thousands and thousands of acres up there because they are extremely sensitive. So you have to be able to understand how to manage the resources and harvest the timber, the sensitive areas, and protect them, and yet make sure that again that you provide that access to the general public that that they so desire. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. How you know, going back to the the five five million acres or so of uh, school trust land you were talking about. Now, th- those are those are basically just squares within a square, you know, one section out of one township. But some of those must lie in pretty remote areas. And, and they, right? Go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, are, are those the parcels you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, sometimes harvi- harvesting timber off of those around the state? Exactly. And what, we, yeah. and what we've also done, so, so you're harvesting uh, the timber off of the ones that, that have timber. And what we have is a, uh, a sustained uh, management plan that says if you harvest this timber, we want to make sure that it's going to be able to be sustained. It's not set up so that you end up uh, harvesting all of the timber and then you have to wait 20 years before you can ever harvest another tree in the state of Montana. They have a, a sustained yield uh, plan in place so that this can go on in perpetuity. But one of the other things that we've been able to do, though, when you start talking about these remote lands, I'm glad you brought that up, is that as we as we buy and sell lands through the school trust, yeah. because the, stat, the legislature has directed us to liquidate up to 250,000 acres and then to replace that. And and they're charged, the land board is charged with making sure that we upgrade the, the revenue that's being generated by these new lands. And then additionally, what I have made an extremely large effort in is as we make these new purchases, that we don't only make sure that we have access to that land, but if it's at all possible, if the new designated lands, as we purchase them, it provides better access to other public lands that otherwise had been blocked off from access. And gotcha. sometimes that could be federal public land. So we, we can actually uh, multiply the, the access dramatically by using state purchases to give us access, additional access the federal lands. Yeah. And that's, that was actually just what I was thinking, right? When you said that is leading into the next question, um, you're running for federal office right now, U S Senate, you know, and, and yeah, you know, keeping federal lands is, is a popular issue. Getting more access to them is also a popular issue. Uh, Montana is the fourth largest state in the nation and the for, the U S forest service federal agency is, I, I believe the largest single owner of of land in, in Montana. I need to double check my facts on that one, but I'm pretty sure that's right. And so just leading into the, the next thing in our conversation here, like that's a great example of where state land is, is, is allowing access to more federal land and not just more, but a ton more like the forest. Service oh, absolutely. Owns absolutely. So much land and then, and that's then the, the point other I'm key to is yeah. to work with, with, uh, secretary, of agriculture, Sonny Purdue, because the the uh, Department of Agriculture is who's responsible for the management mm-hmm. of the Forest Service. And I've met with Secretary Purdue, and I I really believe that he wants to make sure that we do a better job of managing those federal lands, and and will help us 
to develop additional access so that folks can actually recreate and utilize those lands more so than they've been able to in the past. Yeah. And, and we were talking about forest parcels, but actually when you first started talking and you mentioned Glendive, you know, I've, I've been through Glendive a few times and I, I was thinking, of, uh, <laughs> you know, it's beautiful. And I'm, I'm from the opposite side of the state. I'm from Missoula, but I guess we're connected by I-90 <laughs> or I, I guess you're Absolutely. I-94. It's internet, interstate uh, highway system. But uh, I was thinking of Makoshka State Park right there next to town. Makoshka State Park yeah. is the largest state park, largest state park in Montana. I was hoping you and could give is, a plug for it. <laughs> yeah, and they have dramatic features in there. It's gorgeous. With the, uh, yeah, I mean, we don't have the mountains, but I want to tell you something. The, we have some very, very uh, huge topographical changes in there, and it's and it's all of that gumbo hills and there's a lot of uh, pine once you start getting up mm-hmm. into the higher elevations of it. And I'm sure that you know, Dan, that there's also an awful lot of dinosaur fossils that, that have been found yeah. all throughout that park. Yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. I mean, it looks, like, it looks like the Badlands, like a miniature version of the Badlands, but equally That's exactly beautiful. right. And, uh, I mean, the trails through all those little canyons are so fun to walk in. Uh, there was a, fu- a frisbee golf course there that <laughs> I'm not a very good oh, my frisbee sons, golfer. My three but... sons, yeah, have have played golf. Golf, yeah, golf, yeah. I'm they terrible at it, but many times, so yeah. When they were going through high school, yeah, for it sure. was it was a, the coolest course I've ever played on. Anyway, uh-huh. um, we're ranting about public lands, but that yeah. Thanks for talking about all that. You know, that, that's, that's really interesting to learn more about your job as a state auditor and the role of the land board and all that. So, um, yeah, I just got a couple more questions for you. You're, sure. you, you know, your campaign is running strong. Um, the, the primaries are, are coming up really fast, June 5th. Um, you, you appear to be the front runner. I, I it's okay if you want to contest that, but you received numerous endorsements from, you know, national political figures, national organizations. So, yeah, what are what are just some of your next steps between now and, and the primary on June 5th? Yeah, I continue to, to do my work, Dan. I, I, what I tell folks is a campaign is not one in a day. It's what you do every single day. And whether that's uh, my work on the campaign or whether that is my work uh, in the auditor's office, I just continue to to do you know pick it up pick up my tools every day and do my job. I am thrilled that I've been able to get the endorsements of Ted Cruz and Mike Lee and Rand Paul and National Security Advisor to the President John Bolton. You're right; that is quite humbling to have folks like that. And and they didn't just give me a phone call and make a determination. Okay. Matt Rosendale is the front runner. So we're going to go ahead and endorse him. I started talking with these gentlemen years ago and they have watched my body of work and they see how passionate I am about reducing the size and scope of government and, and restoring our Republic. And so they have all came on very early on in this process and said that they, they believe that I am the person that, number one, can defeat John Tester, and number two, is going to take the difficult votes that, that need to take place in order for us to restore our republic, to, to return the power back to the state of Montana and take it from the federal government 
And and so over the next two weeks, um, absentee ballots are out now. So we'll continue to call folks and ask for their support and try to continue to do the good work that has earned that support over the last several years. Mm -hmm. And then we've got a, a few events lined up between um, now and Election Day that, uh, you know, we'll just we'll be in the field doing doing what we do. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you so much again for coming on the show. And and I mean, we're we're about out of time. But are, are there any last points you'd like to bring up that we might have missed? Matt for Montana dot com. Anybody who would like to uh, get more information on me, Matt, F.O.R. Montana dot com. And they will see that, again, I serve the way that I campaign, and I am, I am glad to field any questions from anybody and, and take input as we uh, progress. Well, thank you, sir. And there you have it, everybody. Matt Rosendale, uh, Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate. Matt, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed talking with you. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to your audience. You have a great day. You as well. Take care. Um, bye-bye. Today's last word segment is a public service announcement by Montana's Governor Steve Bullock and Lieutenant Governor Mike Cooney for those of you who plan to spend some time in the woods this summer. Hey, Lieutenant Governor Cooney and I are encouraging folks to be safe as they go out in the woods. Memorial Day is off at the start of the summer. We love getting out there, but it's also with its warm weather, bears are coming down more and more into places where people can come in contact. So we're encouraging folks to be safe to buy bear spray. Um, if you're out hiking, hike with a group, make some noise. If you're camping, make sure to keep your camp area clean um, to ensure that you're not being attracted to bears. And buy that can of bear spray, read the instructions, learn how to do it, and I think even Mike can show us how it is. Gotta take the little trigger off there. Good job. Thank you, thank you. Never, never pet a bear. <laughs> That's it for this episode of the Montana Middle. Thanks for listening. Outro music for this episode is provided once again by Laney Lou and the Bird Dogs out of Bozeman. This song is called Sixes and Sevens. Thank you.
Remember, you can find the podcast at www.themontanamiddle.com on Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Guitar music for the Montana Middle is provided by my very talented sister, June West. Thanks for listening, and take care.